Good morning, everyone. Uh, Jeff alluded that, you know, he's not as funny as Steve, but I believe I'm pretty funny, and I think I'm just as funny as Steve. So <laughs> I say that because Steve's not here to defend himself. <laughs> but my name is Tyler Fitt, and I'm a Christian. Seems like such an odd way to say something, isn't it? Just not often you go out in public and say, Hi, Tyler Fitt, Christian. People will look at you funny, wouldn't they? They'd think you have like a third ear popping out of your head. Like, why would you just say something like that? For a lot of us, saying we're Christian just doesn't seem like the type of thing we'd normally say out loud. So we know, but we just don't say it, though. Someone like me, I'm happy to tell someone, anyone, any day of the week, I'm a Christian. You might ask why. Me and Steve are very similar in a lot of ways. We both grew up as atheists. I never grew up in a religious home. I maybe have been to a church three, four times from the age of birth to 17. There was just nothing about religion that brought me to it. It was about the age of 23, I'd started getting a little bit more into church. And by the time I actually started going to church, I still couldn't even tell you what it meant to be a Christian. Now... At the age of 27, I finally got what it meant. At least, I thought I understood anyways. I'm still learning. When Jesus saved me from a very destructive path at the age of 27, the next year, I chose to get baptized, and I got baptized in the park in Thorold. And I gave a public declaration of what Jesus meant to me. And the passage we read here today, from Matthew 10, 32 to 33, was the passage that I used. Whoever acknowledged me before others... I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. What better way to declare your love for God than in a public park, over a loudspeaker, surrounded by friends, family, and anyone else in earshot distance? That was about five years ago this upcoming August. And to this day... I still reflect back on that testimony. You might think, why? Why still think it wasn't five years after? I think to myself, why do others just not declare themselves to Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the true path to our Lord? Why? Do they know how much better their life could be if they did? I then think of my life between the ages of 17 to 26. I was severely depressed. And it was around that time of I finally said, you know, God, please, take control of my life. I can't do this. Please take this from me. If I would have just dedicated myself to Jesus and let God control, I could have avoided a decade of heartache and pain. Then I think about our community here in Niagara. And... I really think about even things that happen not even far from here, right around the corner. And I can't help but think, how would people's lives be changed if they declared themselves to Jesus just as I had? I can't answer that question. But I come back to the only answer I can really think that answers it is when I say, I am a Christian. What is it to be a Christian? Is it as simple as declaring Jesus as Lord? I'd like to think of myself in 
my life, I, I wonder what it'd be like if I was 17 again today in 2019. How would it be? Does God fit? And I'll be honest, it doesn't seem like God seems to be heard. It's just doesn't seem the same. 2,000 years ago, we would have no way of having as much knowledge as we'd have today, and that's all because technology. We have advanced... We have advanced so much in technology that we can now carry pocket-sized computers in our pant pocket. I left mine on the pew. But these things are great. Really, they are. I can make phone calls from here to Florida to my cousin. I can watch my cousin-in-law defend his dissertation in Boston. I can get an alarm in the middle of the night to let me know when a child's in danger. There are so many great things. They just have... And you know what? There was a Super Bowl ad not that long ago that showed a person taking a picture of a menu that was in foreign language, and it changed it right before their eyes so they could see what it said in English. It's amazing. Technology truly is fascinating. It's so amazing. But there's a dark side to technology. I have a public speaker I've been following more recently. His name is Simon Sinek. And he talked about technology. And really, as amazing as it is, it's controlling and it's really hurting our lives. He mentions the idea that a lot of people turn their phones first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, what do you do? You grab, grab your phone off the nightstand. Before... Your first thing to do is you turn over and say good morning to your significant other or whatever it might be. It wouldn't be the first thing you would grab first thing in the morning. Things are changing. Then we introduce this idea of social media. And he discussed, Simon discusses how social media and young adults just cannot handle the stress of social media. There is too much going on. He talks at a young age, the brain is still developing. And it's not equipped enough to handle the highs and lows that social media brings with it. I could go on about this for a very long time. I highly suggest you check him out. He's truly fascinating. And this is where a lot of the core issues lie here today. We talk about, when we think about what social media is, on the surface, it's a great tool. It's fantastic. You can connect with family, friends. You're always connected throughout the whole world. It's really fantastic, and you can see what anyone's doing. Biggest issue with social media, people only tend to post the good things, not their problems. Logically speaking, that makes sense, right? You wouldn't go out and you would post to anyone else out there or even on where someone says, I got lot, I, these are the problems I have. You don't do that. Well, you don't do that in social media either, or not very often do you see it anyways. We don't air our publics of the pro- to the public. We keep it private. Well, in social media, same thing. We only show the good things that happen. It gives When we do that, it gives the illusion we have no problems. We're fine. We're perfect. Nothing's wrong. But the problem is we're tricking everyone who's reading these in that everything's okay. 
you can see your friends, families, maybe it's celebrities of some sort, whoever we appear, whoever we might be following, have perfect lives. Look at the great time they're having there. Oh, they're on vacation. Oh, look what they're doing here. That's really great. Nothing negative. Speaking from someone who has suffered depression, and I can admit that openly, I can tell you, in a state of depression, you feel so insignificant, and seeing these type of things just builds it up. And you feel, when you start reflecting on your life, you feel you just messed up. And the worst part is, it feels like there's no way to fix it. During that time, you don't feel like a human. You don't feel like a Christian. You don't feel anything. You feel empty. A lot of times, what we really need in that state is a new start. A way to feel like all your past mistakes were just wiped away and you can start new. What could the answer be? It seems obvious, doesn't it? Jesus seems like the answer. Simple. He is the answer. Except he isn't. At least not in that state of mind. There's an idea of following Jesus and declaring yourself as a Christian, especially for someone who's never thought of following Jesus. Well, I like to think of this social suicide. Depending on who or what you follow or what you watch on social media, TV, whatever you use on the internet, you have to dig really deep to try and find Jesus somewhere. It's not often times you turn on the TV or you flip open your Facebook and you see a discussion of Jesus. You know, aside from the occasional time you're watching TV and someone points to the sky and thanks, thanks God for the touchdown. I, that's not a discussion on Jesus. I'm sorry. It's, that's nothing what he even has to offer for us. So then, how do we get to follow Jesus? To become a Christian, it seems like to start a whole new life again. And that's difficult. And the idea of change that seems so radical is a, such a strong fear. It's scary. I can tell you, I've gone through it. It's very scary. However, it's not the first time it's happened in history. It won't be the last time it happens in history. In fact, it happened right at the time of Jesus as well. From Matthew 10, the people of Jesus uh, were suffering the exact same type of social suicide that we see today. I said earlier, 32-33, acknowledge me before others, I'll acknowledge my Father, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. Disown me before others, I will disown my Father in, I will disown you before my Father in heaven. The surface of the message seems clear. Declare Jesus as your Savior. He'll recognize you when you die before God. When God asks, who is this? There's, that's what the surface seems, but really deep beneath that line, there's so much more. Author by the name of Anna Case Winters best explains the impact this had on people in the time. Quote, they testify under the threat of being handed over to councils dragged before governing kings, flogged, and even put to death. Those who would seek a peaceful and prosperous existence should turn back now. These, there will be no peace for the present. Although God's reign inaugurates a true shalom, which is a Hebrew word for peace, wholeness, uh, well-being, safety, the announcement of God's reign comes at a genuine threat 
So those who reign now, and they will respond with violence. There will be no peace, but rather a conflict so fierce, it will even divide families. This is what some of Matthew's own church was uh, facing at the same time. They had to choose between family and faith. Fast forward to today. It's very much similar. Last, I just mentioned you lost your family, friends, everything you knew. Everything you knew and built your life up to that point in time would be drastically changed, and you don't know what would happen. That happens today. You have no idea if following Jesus is the right thing to do. You could be following some guy who just made a lot of promises and does nothing for you, and you just threw away everything you knew for this guy. That's today. It sounds like a lot of times, the, the times of Jesus people compared to today, it, it sounded like the times of Jesus are way more difficult compared to the times of today, doesn't it? It seems way harsher, but the idea of... Uh, and, pardon me, the idea of death in this moment is a big deal. And as a harsh of a truth as that was, I can honestly say, I don't know if today is any better. There are parts of this world that will still persecute you for being a Christian. There are lots of people in your life who will leave you because you declare yourself as Jesus. I've seen that myself. And some of the other issues still exist. I can honestly say, I've never had to give up my family or risk death by the empire because of where we live. But I have, as I mentioned, depression. Had depression. And have walked that path many others have walked. I can tell you, it's extremely difficult. And we should not be comparing the difficulties of what the two scenarios are. But instead, embrace those who've chosen to cast away everything to be a Christian. There's always been an emphasis that, as our society continues to advance, the younger generation doesn't seem as strong as the generation before. But let's think about what I said before about social media. We see all the good things that people do, but then when we look at ourselves, we think, wow, my life is just not up to par. In the times of Jesus, if you were poor, you saw others who were poor with you. When they were going through hardships, you saw it. Everything was very visible. You didn't see all the great things that your friend got to do and sit down and think about how life is just not fair to you. No, you saw dirty people, dirt, people's dirty laundry right in the front lawn. Today it's hidden. Technology, as great as it is, has made us weaker mentally, which affects us physically. Depression is growing in this country, and it's growing in this city. And the answer to life's... And the, answer to, life's, to life is start over or just not continue at all. That's what a lot of people are feeling. But what technology, where it makes us weaker, Jesus makes us stronger. We need Jesus now more than ever because we're coming weaker. When we trip and fall, when we feel like we just cannot carry on anymore, Jesus comes on, picks us up, puts us on, back on our feet. When we feel like our faults have ruined our life, there's no forgiving, Jesus says, I forgive you. When you believe that there's no one in this world who can love or care for you, Jesus opens his arms 
and says that he never stopped loving you. If you're having a hard day, how great is it to get a hug? It's probably the best feeling in the world. My phone, which is over there, which I'm supposed to have here, it, it doesn't do hugs. It can define a hug, but it doesn't know what a hug is. It doesn't know emotion. My phone, it only knows who I am because I told it who I am. It knows my address because I told it where I live. It knows who my friends are and my contacts are because I've put it into the phone. But what it doesn't know was when I was born, I was born via C-section. It didn't know that I moved from Niagara Falls to Waterloo, back to Niagara Falls, to Welland. It doesn't know that. It doesn't know how all the people on my phone came to be. It doesn't know the story about how we became friends or how I got to know these people. Technology has fooled us. It fools us in thinking it can provide us everything we can possibly need. When really, all we're doing is telling it very generic things about us and things we like. Jesus knows our whole story. Jesus knows everything that happened in your life, and Jesus knows what's going to happen in your life. He knows your challenges. He knows your struggles. He knows everything that's going to happen. He's there with you. Your phone only knows two things. On, off. When you continue on in Matthew, he can, he can, Jesus continues to say, Even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, this would be more effective if I remember my phone, but I asked my phone, I said, Hey, Google, because it's, you can ask different things, like, how many pieces of hair are on my head? It gave me an approximate count of 100,000. I never knew that. That was pretty cool. Good information. But that's not how many pieces of hair are on my head. That's an idea of how many is on my head. It's not human. It's technology. But Jesus, he was human. He, in all his divinity, also was human. And he knows how many hairs are on my head. He knows what it's like to feel emotion. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows everything about us. We cannot let technology hinder our relationship with each other. And most importantly, we cannot let it hinder our relationship with God. Our phone only knows what it can find on the internet and the basic information that it's fed. But it's Jesus that knows who we are. Technology is a great tool. But if you ask your phone or your internet, your TV, whatever it is, they're not Christian. The idea of being a Christian is so much more. I told you in the beginning, you know, my name is Tyler Fit. I'm a Christian. And that probably speaks more words than my phone can ever be able to tell you. As a Christian, I have faults, I make mistakes, and I'm far from perfect. Technology might make me look like I have the perfect life, but I don't. The only thing in this life that is perfect for me 
is Jesus Christ. That's the best part about Jesus. He knows your life isn't perfect. He knows we all make mistakes. And he still loves you. And we should never forget it. So we think about technology, as great as it is, we have to be reminded how great Jesus is. And we have to let others know how great Jesus is as well. And as hard as it is to give that up, hard as it is to understand, we must be able to tell others, Jesus is the answer. Let us let's just bow our heads and pray. Dear God, just thank you so much for your love. It seems that in our darkest days, you are the light that just brightens us right up. As we continue to advance, God, in our culture and just as who we are in our human humanity, and we ask that you continue to be in a relationship with us. We're sorry if we let technology get in our way and we make it think that we have everything we need, but we really don't, God. We need you to help us and understand that we need you and we need others to see that they need you as well. That as difficult as it is in this society to be able to give up everything that we know, that you accept us and allow us to break free. Break free from these chains that tie us down. Break free from this idea of technology and that it has everything we need when what we really need is you. Thank you, Lord, for showing us what a relationship is because you gave us your son, Jesus. You showed us love. You showed us true love by sacrificing your son on the cross so that we may have a relationship with you forever. That is something we can never have with our phones, our our TVs, our laptops, our computers. This is a relationship we need in our life now. So thank you, God. Continue to be with us. Forgive us of our arrogance and guide us along your path. Thank you, God. And we pray this all in your son Jesus' name.